Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. Lock the gate! <laughs> All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What is happening? I do know that... Um, I'm stocked up on uh, COVID tests, and I'm I'm doing more road shows. Tonight, I will be in Phoenix at Stand Up Live. Uh, tomorrow night, I will be in Phoenix at Stand Up Live. I believe there are still tickets for that all-vaxxed or proof-of-test in the last 48 hours show. Next week, Salt Lake City, Utah, August 19, 20, 21, five shows. Tickets are available. There's not that many tickets left for Phoenix, but I know there's plenty of tickets left for the uh, proof of vax or test within 48 hours in Utah. Because from what I understand, Utah is a little, uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to die of COVID on this hill. No jabs for us dummies. You can go to WTFpod.com slash tour to see the upcoming dates. I'm going to probably be adding dates soon. There's a new, uh, dynasty typewriter date is that up i think that's in october yes october 4th i've added a dynasty typewriter show at eight o'clock that's here in los angeles um i don't think that sold out i didn't even know that it was up yet i have not promoted it so there you go i'm very happy on, uh, about this show today i talked to uh, sterling harjo who i did not know and not only did i really not know him I knew he had uh, done comedy work and he was a, a Native American uh, who was a known comedy figure, but I really didn't know the scope of it. I, I mean, my buddy Cliff Nesteroff uh, features him uh, uh, quite a bit in his book. Uh, we had a real estate problem about uh, Native American comedy, but uh, I, I, I really didn't know. And when my producer said, you know, this guy's available, do you want to check it out? And I was like, yes. Yes, I, I would like to know more about him. I, I, I just knew that I have never publicly spoken to a Native American artist. Certainly growing up in New Mexico, I'd met a few and I was surrounded by a Native American painting um, and jewelry, obviously, and life. But I don't know if I had empathy or understanding. Obviously, I did not to uh, what that life looked like until I read an Ian Fraser book called On the Res and another Ian Fraser book called The Great Plains, which blew me away. Uh, the Great Plains, more about that region and all the tribes that uh, populated that area. And On the Res was about reservation life. All this to say, 
He's uh, an incredible filmmaker. He's made uh, three feature films, Four Sheets to the Wind, Barking Water, and Miko. I've watched two of them. He also directed the documentaries This May Be the Last Time and Love and Fury. I watched both of those. He's got a new show on FX on Hulu called Reservation Dogs, which takes place on a reservation about these four kids. I watched six of those. And I got to say, it was really a life-changing event for me to engage with this guy's work. I seem to be, you know, there something has opened up in my heart as of late, uh, some sort of new level of engagement around, I, I guess, a deeper empathy, you know, because it was always my understanding that empathy was only capable if you could put yourself in someone else's shoes or, or experience. And I think that that is true. I just don't think you can make assumptions. I think uneducated empathy, you know, is, is probably just sensitivity. But when it when you're dealing with a different culture or, or even a different uh, ethnic group uh, who has had to deal collectively with with a struggle that is not our lives, I, I think the the depth of empathy is limited and and could even appear condescending. So what's happened to me over the last few weeks in engaging with Sterling's work and also engaging with Barry Jenkins's Underground Railroad, I'm going to talk to uh, to Barry soon, uh, was that my depth of empathy shifted to uh, I, I feel a deeper understanding of that struggle and that pain. Like I, it, I, I can't identify. I didn't come from that, but certainly the power of that fucking masterpiece was to you know really plant me in just exactly the horror that most Black Americans come from generationally. Now with Sterling, you know the Native experience is different. They were not indentured. They were. Uh, uh, there was an attempt to destroy them entirely. The American history of the Native American is is a genocidal history. And, you know, after generations of of adapting to reservations and sickness and and and, and a life that was brutally compromised, uh, you have a culture that comes out of that. And we talk a bit about casino culture where things are now in, in terms of uh, native identity, but but watching all his films really sort of brought me into a way of life that I did not could not have had any understanding of, but also about how community, art, and you know music, ritual, all this stuff was the stuff that aided in the survival of these different tribes and of the culture in general, and it all sort of permeates through his work. Just being exposed to both of these works recently, you start to realize that, you know, I know a lot of middle-aged white writers who are bitter because they can't get work now because they feel that they're being pushed out by minority hires, ethnic hires, diversity hires. But the truth is, is that many voices, marginalized voices, have been kept out of this racket for a long time just because... There was a nepotism at play and uh, legacy and, uh, you know, uh, handshakes and, and pats on the back. And people are carried along institutionally. But the thing is, is that these 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 can't this type of thinking 
around diversity higher or or being pushed out by uh, black people, women, Asian people, Native Americans, whatever it is, they always frame it as if it's unwarranted and that those people don't deserve the job. There have been people from all types of different backgrounds and races and cultures that have been chipping away, doing the work and quite inspired and brilliant that are have been shut out. And so now they're being let in. And what's happening is not anyone being pushed out. What's happening is the field creative fields or whatever field you're working in where this is happening is becoming more competitive in an honest way and more representational of the voices of this country, which is the only thing that is going to save this fucking country if it is savable. I can't say it'll save the planet, but certainly the engagement of the creative voices of as many different backgrounds, cultures, genders, ethnicities as possible help to integrate the great collective understanding. Unfortunately, the media universe is so fucking fragmented, uh, you don't need to be marginalized to not be seen. Your work, that is. So I was thrilled to have the opportunity because of these bookings to, to engage with this stuff, and it really has you know, changed the way I see things. I celebrated my 22nd year anniversary of my sobriety on Monday, and I am public with that. I, I tweeted, I have 22 years sober today, and it was interesting, the shit show that followed. A lot of congratulations, a lot of, you know, you know, trolling, a lot, but it's just weird. It's just weird. And it's weird to me that there's still a contingent within the recovery community that believes that, look, man, I get anonymity. And look, man, woman, he, she, they, it, thou. There's many ways to get sober. I don't care how you do it. The reason I am public, and I've said this before, I am publicly sober because it is possible. And again, I know what's worked for me. You know, people ask me, do you still go? Are you still in it? Do you still do the the secret society? I'm like, I do sometimes. I, you know, I do uh, not as much as I used to, but I am engaged. When I go on trips, I, I always have my books do I read them? No, but I just, it's a reminder. There's a constant reminder. I talk to people in the club uh, often, but I don't want to drink and I don't want to use drugs. That's what's happened. I don't know how you could get through 22 years and still have that a day-to-day struggle. I know that because I did it the way that I do it, which is the secret society, uh, that it changed my brain. You volunteer for a brain fucking and things are rearranged and you're like, well, this system, this template will help me. You don't have to do it perfectly. It's not possible. You have to do it by the book. You can, but then you're almost intolerable. But you can change your brain to see who you are differently, more honestly, and take responsibility for things you do and uh, sort of Take pause when you're about to do things that are stupid, like take a drink or ruin your life with your mouth or do a drug. But I don't care how you do it. I'm talking about it so you know it's possible. Totally possible. I'll tell you one thing. Being in that secret society taught me how 
to engage my empathy, taught me how to engage myself, taught me how to be a little more selfless in light of other people's problems, taught me how to, it's it's really the foundation of this show. Two people talking to each other. One person talking to another person to get out of their own head. Like if I'm going crazy or I want to drink or I want to hurt myself or I want to fuck things up, if I just engage with somebody else to take my mind off me and my dumb desires, compulsions, fears, anxiety, and let somebody else tell me their story, their fears, anxieties, successes, then I'm not thinking about me. And 99% of the time after that conversation, whatever was going to drag you into the pit from within has gone away. The monster has crawled back into the hole for a little while. But anyways, that's why I share. And oddly, I want to own this. This is a self-own in the sense that, you know, within the program, there is a tradition that is dated to that states that uh, we should keep any we should keep it out of press radio films you know that we shouldn't talk about it people in the secret society in aa and that's all fine you know there's no law no one's going to kick me out but i believe the reason was is that if the person who does that drinks or gets mangled in a car because of alcohol relapses whatever then people think that, you know, AA, he, as a, someone who spoke about it publicly, he's a representative. It doesn't work. Well, look, man, those numbers are available. You want to see if it works or not? What the percentage of people staying sober within the secret society are? They're not great. But in the big picture, people staying sober in general after trying to quit, not great. It's hard. And people relapse. They die. They can't get out from under it. No matter what you use to stop. That's a reality. So any sort of inspiration, any shared experience with the possibility of having a life without drugs and alcohol, if they are ruining your life, is a good thing. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. I got a letter today with a chip, which I don't have anybody in my life, really, in the way that, like, no one's going to buy me a chip. You get them when you go to the meeting, when you go, you know, announce your birthday. I got to do that. I got to do that. What what day is it? I got to do that. I usually do that a couple of times. You go out and, but no, the, 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 the big chips are heavier. They're weightier. I, I, last year I bought my 21 year chip myself, but I got this cute letter with a bunch of cats on the front of it. Mark Marin, Hello. I suppose you'll get your 22 year chip at the home group. Like the rest of us, at least I hope you can this year. Please accept this one from me to you with gratitude for sharing your life so unselfishly through the podcasts and your IG live. Your show, Marin, gave me the courage to walk back into the rooms five years ago after an 18-year relapse. So, happy 22 to you. Stay safe out there, sending love and light one day at a time. So, there you go. I guess that's worth breaking the tradition, isn't it? Isn't it? Old timers, holders tight, bleeding deacons. I'm so glad I got my chip. I don't carry them around, but I do for a few days. (laughs) 
So this is exciting. Sterling Harjo uh, is uh, is a very provocative and 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 authentic artist filmmaker. His new show, Reservation Dogs, which he co-created with Taika Waititi, has new episodes every Monday exclusively on FX on Hulu. This is me talking to Sterling Harjo. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Oh. I, you know, I feel like I'm actually more well prepared to talk to you than I have been for anybody. <laughs> Why is that? I, Just the links that we say here? Well, no, because like, you know, there's something going on with me. I don't know what it is, but like I watched uh, uh, Four Sheets to the Wind. Yeah. Which is your what second feature? First, first, yeah, feature. first feature. Yeah, yeah. And it was so whole, so complete, and such a like a, a, a specific sort of story about specific people who are who are of their own. Yeah, you know, uh, Native Americans are of their own. Its own trip, yeah, right? Yeah. It's its own trip. Yeah. And I tapped into it when I was earlier in my life. You know, obviously, you know, Powwow Highway, which wasn't oh, yeah. done by Native American, but, right? Is that what we say, Native American? Yeah, yeah, indigenous, I, I mean, where do you go with? I, I say Indian, but, you know. Indian? You, yeah, a Native. I say Native. You know, native? I, tell, I tell white people say Native, you know. Native. Yeah. So Indian is something you guys can use? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean anyone, <laughs> I, I would let you say it for sure, but, like, I think it's uncomfortable yeah. for white folks to say it. Uh, we say, say it to Indian? each other. I like Indian. We say Indian, you know, yeah, to yeah, each yeah. other. And there will be people that disagree with that, but, you know, if you well, go hang out with a group of Indians, they're going to be saying India. Right. Well, I mean, but the, you know, that happens with the group. Yeah. But you don't meet the white guy going like, what are you Indians up to? Totally. No, you know, maybe not, you know, <laughs> unless you know them all. <laughs> uh, shit. But, uh, but okay, so so I, I remember Power Highway. But there's something that's never left me is that I read Ian Frazier's book. Oh, yeah. On the Red. Yeah. What do you think of that book? I really liked that book. Okay. You know, I thought it was an honest so, portrayal so, of his, what he was going through. Right. But you don't, you don't say like, you know, who is he to write a book about the natives? I don't do that. I, you right. know, it's from a point of view, you know? Yeah. But, you know, there were certain things that he captured about life on the reservation and about uh, native people yeah. that I thought was like, it made me like reassess my own life. Yeah. In terms of what I do with time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, time's different. <laughs> time is different. It is, right? Yeah, it is. Time's different and timing is different. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I watched a lot of the stuff. I watched, uh, you know, that one, Four Seats of When I watched Miko. Mm. I watched uh, This May Be the Last Time. Yeah. I watched Love and Fury. Oh, cool. And I watched the four episodes awesome. of- Awesome, uh, man, you really did. Of uh, Reservation Dogs. Mm-hmm. That and, and Cliff Nesteroff told me that- uh, you you featured uh, large in his book, yeah. But uh, and also I, I wear a Zuni ring. Oh, good. Not that that yeah. matters. No, that's good. Yeah, 
We're cool, man. We're in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, on the other, here's here's the broader point: mm-hmm. is that I started to realize after watching your stuff and after watching um, this the the Underground Railroad mm-hmm. that the voices of of marginalized people of oppressed people in this country that the only thing that that kept them from being completely destroyed was a sense of 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 community and a sense of an appreciation of of human love and tenderness mm-hmm. amongst each other and 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 sort of embracing that vulnerability which i saw a lot of in love and fury there was something about love and fury that that really sort of got me reconnected with the artistic journey of people that you know aren't careerists. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I started to realize, like in the in the native community, the 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 idea of creativity, art, ritual, uh, community, everything's entwined. Mm. It all speaks to each other, guaranteed, and still does. Yeah. So that's what it gave me hope. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, like <laughs> Taika and I have talked about that a lot. How um, Taika Waititi, who yeah. created Reservation Dogs, with me, but um. We've talked about that, like how, you know, we all had uncles and aunties that were artists. They didn't call themselves artists. Right. You just, they could draw. Right. And it was such a part of life. And I think it was also part of ceremonial life as well. And just yep. the community that like, you know, it's just, I think it's a practice that native people did and it wasn't such a big deal or it wasn't hailed as this thing, but like love and fury for sure. I mean, you know, that the style of that movie was inspired by, I don't know if you've ever seen a uh, heart worn highways. Uh-uh. Guy Clark, uh, Towns Van Zant, and Steve Earle documentary is a documentary about them, kind of right before their careers took off. I think oh, I, I think know. Steve Earle's like nineteen. Oh, and, really? Yeah, and it's like before the crash. Yeah, and all it was was following them. Yeah, and you know, kind of just fly on the wall stuff. And I wanted to do that with these artists because I just feel like it's native arts always presented in this really precious way. And I know, I grew earnest. up with it. Yeah, exactly. In New Mexico, for sure. And it's like such a market down there. It was a huge market. Yeah. And, like I, it, and I wanted to just show it like it is. You know, it's like people just creating. But you know what the fascinating thing about it is, you know, outside of, but even maybe some of the noise music, yeah. is that you can hear uh, a Native American voice in it. Yeah. Rhythmically mm-hmm. or just a voice, like you can hear it. Yeah. Is that possible? That is. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> and, and, and that to me, like I watched that documentary Rumble, which is okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I thought your documentary was better because these are you know people that are clearly have their own personal struggles because what what you bring to the table and you yourself do, but you are not it doesn't seem to me a, a shattered person yeah. is that you know the history of the Indians here yeah. you know, you like, and and what that and what the repercussions were of that yeah. on in contemporary mm-hmm. levels, whether it's alcoholism abuse you know and and that one guy who did that piece about all the uh, missing the and murdered, missing yeah, and murdered. Murder, yeah. i mean jesus christ man so like these modern repercussions and byproducts of the attempted genocide you know kind of ricochet through yeah and those be those shattered voices become you know the, the modern art yeah of of the of the people right man that's right and and you know i think i can feel you know i think we felt that you know it's like People always would ask me, like, what, you know, what are you doing? Like, like you're, you live in Oklahoma. Like, why are you there? Like, you come to L.A. and you, like, but no one was trying to make 
our films, you know? No one was trying to make our art. Um, now. N- n- yeah, then. It, it, no, it, then. We're like 10 years ago. Well, yeah, but I'm, that's, that's now, I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. That is now. Yeah, now. Yeah. So the representation of the Indian was was still way outdated and off. Yes. It was, a, it was from a white person's vantage All point. of it was. I mean, all of it was. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. we fed that too, because we had to make money. And I think Native people fed into that a yeah. bit, you know? And so, you know, you have these depictions of us in Hollywood that are so off, you know, off base. I mean, like, the, there's no humor. Yeah. You know, and like in the Westerns, we're sort of the zombies, right? We're, we're the sure. walking dead. The sure, soulless, or just yelling on horses. Yeah, we're the soulless, faceless things that are in the way of Western expansion and yeah. we have to be eradicated. Yeah. And that's all we had. I mean, I grew up like watching movies. Um, I remember my dad and I, we'd watch, uh, my dad called me in the front room one day and he was like, hey, there's a, I'm Seminole. I'm Seminole in Muskogee Creek. Yeah. And he's like, hey, there's a movie called Seminole Wars. Let's watch it. You yeah. know, we sit down and it's yeah. like, nothing Seminole about it. You know, it's like, it's Lakotas, they're speaking Cheyenne, you know, and like the actors are Navajos. Well, I don't know. Like it was nothing, but we didn't give a shit because it was like, yeah, wow, we're being represented. You know, like let's watch it and look past all of that. So you didn't feel uh, uh, like uh, an anger about how Indians were being used at that time. I guess that must have come later to some degree. Yeah, later it did for sure. When yeah, right. I, yeah, I mean, like it took me to go to college to go... Um, to really learn about the Trail of Tears and know that everyone that I grew up with in my life, the Trail of Tears, I'd heard of it. My grandma had talked about it. It was in a paragraph in every book. Sure. But it's real shit. I mean, like, it's real shit that we went through. And we and, and thousands of people died in the Mississippi River. And we lost songs. We lost medicine men, medicine women. We lost holy people. We lost regular people. We lost children and everyone. And and all to get... And, and so I feel like I, a Native person, you're, you're born into a bit of a rebellion. Like, I grew up knowing like my grandma and them would tell me about the trail of tears and how how they would kill babies if they were crying at night the soldiers and 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 just to know that the reason i exist is because people survived this trek from alabama alabama and georgia to get to indian territory oklahoma right and it was that 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 sense of community that sense of some sort of spiritual you know perseverance yes and also humor i think like that's one of the things with reservation dogs for me is like well, they definitely. Met, yeah. And yeah. it's like we wanted to like Tyke and I, we created the show because we'd always get together and well, I've been friends with them for a long time. Right. And we would just tell stories from home and they well, were never sad. They're always funny. Well, well, what's the how does it, I guess there is a there is some sort of comparison a bit to the, the New Zealand yeah. native experience. Yeah. Very similar. I mean, like, you know, I've traveled through New Zealand with Taika showing films. Yeah. And uh, so similar those communities. I mean, it's so weird because it's like indigenous people so far away from each other, but yeah. they're just like similar humor, similar well, it's that lives. T- it's that sense of time thing. Yeah. And it's a sense of like, no matter how sort of complicated the world gets, you know, they're still tethered to, you know, what's left of their communities and usually to, you know, what the government has given them as as a place to live. Exactly. And this butting up against kind of, and this rebellion, I think, too, you know, and like... Well, as long, it's weird how much of it becomes self-directed, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, like, you know, just growing up in these communities and one of the things that I'm trying to, you know, express with yeah. reservation dogs is like, you know, we have our own clinics, yeah, that, I love that. Yeah, you know, it's like, not only, but there's the thing that you do great with reservation dogs is that, you know, that 
everything has is playing its part mm-hmm. that the clinic in and of itself yeah. is is a part yeah. and you you understand it very quickly and even as somebody who doesn't live there you understand what's happening yeah that for this, sure. like this is going to take a while yeah. there's one doctor there <laughs> yeah. you know bobby lee <laughs> and it's bobby lee of all people <laughs> You know, it's funny because I, I, you know, I've seen you at the comedy store. Yeah. I've, I've, I've watched Kirk Fox at the comedy store. Yeah. I've seen Bobby Lee at the yeah. comedy store. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, I, you know, Kirk Fox can deliver a line like no sure. one else sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. just like one of, you know, I love that. that I, weird, I'm, slow burn. Yeah, and just a yeah. fan of comedy, you yeah, know, yeah. and it's like uh, getting some of those guys. And Bill Burr's in the show, too, you know. Yeah. So, um, we're going to get you next season. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> but, but you, did you, like, coming up, like, how many... Because I was just, there was a lot of, how common is the name Harjo? Harjo's common. Okay, uh, yeah. When, when you're Seminole and Creek. Okay. It's a, it means crazy. It okay. Means, it means uh, crazy in battle. And there's a poet laureate right now, Joy Harjo. Right, she's uh, featured in some of the docs yeah. that you did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's poet. Uh, you know, there's artists. I mean, I, I can't go anywhere without, I'll, I'll be in Europe and people are like, do you know uh, Ben Harjo? I'm like, man, I don't, like, I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> Um, it's like Chavez or Jones. Yeah, it is. It is back home. I mean, if you're in Oklahoma and you look in the mail, the the in phone book, which no one does anymore, yeah. there's a lot of hard joke. Yeah, but what, what, so did you grow up? You didn't grow up on a reservation. I grew up so Oklahoma was kind of one big reservation at one point. Indian territory. It was there's 38 tribes there. They moved us all there because yeah. they were like, let's get them out of there, the the land. We'll put yeah. them in the middle, you know, right, where there's yeah. like dust right. storms and shit. <laughs> yeah. And, um, Maybe they'll do something with the land. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was that was sort of the impulse, right? Yeah. Give them that. See if they can make a farm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, you, I grew up there. It's a so at one point it was a reservation, but then you know, of course, as with everything, uh, oil was found, and, <laughs> and and you can profit from it. Yeah, and everyone moved in, and yeah. outlaws came in. I mean, anytime yeah. you see like you know tr- uh, True Grit or anything, they're always yeah. in the territory. You know, yeah, Oklahoma. right. And um. So real cowboy I, shit happened yeah, in Oklahoma. Definitely. And I but yeah. like, I grew up in a town called Holdenville and yeah. uh home of T Boone Pickens and Clue Gulliger. And um, you know, we it was just a small town, but very diverse, you know. There were there were black kids, white kids, and mm. native kids. We just grew up together. Yeah. And it was a pretty magical experience, I feel like, looking back, you know, and I, I want to reflect that in my work because it was diverse and you had to get along, you know. These we were all Put in a town together, you sure, know, and came up, and it was the country, you know. It was like, yeah, country music and yeah. slow days, you know. I think that's like the interesting because I I saw a lot of that in New Mexico, but I don't think that people like what I'm excited about in terms of the movies and and this TV show is yeah. that I don't think people have any sort of uh, honest perception yeah. of native life, yeah. And like I didn't really, but I did from reading the res, yeah. you know, on the res. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and something always stuck with me was that you know that if someone wanted to get up early, there's one bit in there where it's like if you want someone wanted to get up early, they drink more water yeah. at night so they'd have to pee and they'd wake <laughs> and I'd be like, fucking genius. And then it's like they they build an entire day around getting this car part. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. That's the thing with me, is is I grew up with the best storytellers. Yeah, and and it's not like cheesy native like sit around a fire and let me tell you a story. Yeah. It's just like my aunts and my grandpas and, and sure. grandma sitting around a kitchen drinking coffee. Yeah, telling stories. And what I love is their stories would be nothing would happen to them. It's like <laughs> we went to the store, but everything would happen. The yeah. way they tell it is right. so big, right. and so. For me, with reservation dogs, that that's what I always have tried to capture is, yeah. is to tell these stories that it's not like 
epic things are happening, but they're huge. You know, they're big for these people well, in they, their lives. Well, because there's a sense of 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 journey, right? Yeah. Yeah, because you're not you're not building your life like you don't see things like it's not running an errand. Yeah. It's just that's a day. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> is it, you don't look at it like we got to go get this done or whatever. It's just sort of like we're doing these things. Yeah. This is what the day is. And I and, and also like there's just the the idea of the evolution of uh, craftsmanship, like the, I, the the fact that there's a the woman who's beating, yeah, who you know, like yeah, I don't know why she's you know <laughs> scary or crazy, yeah. but I know she's beating, and like I you know I remember we had a a, a Hopi beaded yeah. horse that like we sold at a yard sale that I remember to this day my, we sold it. My parents had gotten it, and some cowboy just he came up to the yard sale and he's just looking at stuff and he picks that up, and he's like, how much is this? And I'm like five bucks, and I know that like after yeah. he walked away, I'm like that was worth five hundred dollars. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, but the fact that this woman is beating and she's mm-hmm. making paraf- you know, a, a necklace for a rapper, yeah, that these things continue, yeah. right? These 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 uh, these ways of of uh, these crafts continue, yeah, and they're all still actively part of it. So actively part of it. And then that she that her day was going to be making this you know microphone for for uh, the kid's dad, yeah. who like I don't want to ruin the show. <laughs> yeah. I love that rap video, though. Yeah, man, that was great. I was like half of my family's in that video. Really, I just yeah. the fry bread thing because I that, like I grew up going to the New Mexico State Fair yeah. and they'd have Indian Village. Yeah, yeah. and you go over there and get that fucking fry totally, bread. Totally, man, Indian taco. Uh, <laughs> uh, I gave Bill Burr his first uh, Indian taco. It was pretty great. What's in an Indian taco? I mean, it's just uh, to- it's just literally taco topping on, on top fry of bread? A fry bread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you know, I mean that craftsmanship. You know, it's just, it, it was all a part of survival. Right. You know, and it has continued and it's still a part of survival. You know, in the sense of selling the stuff, selling stuff, making money. You yeah. Know, white people like it. <laughs> and now we have money and we can buy it now. You yeah. Know, so. Yeah. I like the I like the way, you know, that. There, I I really like that bit in there with the you know white people's medicine versus that guy sitting out oh, yeah. front you yeah, know because yeah. that's real shit right yeah. there, there's a there's definitely an aversion on behalf of you know blacks and native people yeah. who have been either you know uh, infected or sterilized yeah man uh, that that goes on for generations yeah I mean I mean what is it like ninety percent of the indigenous population was killed through disease like that shit stays with you I think <laughs> that shit stays with the people right. <laughs> Like, I mean, yes, man. Yeah, it does. And, you know, like, I just I think like, but one of the things that, you know, we've never I just wanted to express and show the I wanted to celebrate our community because it's never really been done. Through all the work. Yeah, through all the work. Yeah, I could. That's I feel that. Mm -hmm. So how did you start? Like, where did you how many siblings you have? I have two brothers and two sisters. And they're all around still? Yeah, they're all around. They're all around. They're in Oklahoma. I still live in Tulsa. Yeah, you know, that's another thing you did. You made me start to rethink Oklahoma. Yeah, man. Thank God, because there's been some people on here talking shit about Oklahoma. Not yeah. really. You had a guy recently that just moved I back. I talk shit. Yeah, yeah, you did. No, yeah. for sure. He was okay and, with it. And, yeah, no, no. He, he seemed to like it. Shop. Like, what is it out there, man? Just yeah, yeah. Like, the director. The yeah, director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Shop. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I'm glad that people are moving back. But, like, I love Oklahoma. I do. Like, like because, I, I, I mean, you, you can drive in any direction 30 minutes and you're in a new tribal territory with new languages, new customs, uh, new, a whole different tribe. I don't think of white people look at it like that. They do, because I think that, like, you know, if you go to Pahuska, for yeah. instance, where they're shooting Killers of the Flower Moon right now, yeah. um, you, you, the 
because the native the native tribes have saved those towns because of casinos. Yeah. So so there are towns that would be shit right now if not for the native tribes. Yeah. And the economy and the people that they've hired and rebuilt these towns, you know, like like the town of Ada, Oklahoma. It's the home of the Chickasaw Nation. That yeah. place is like thriving. Right. You know? It's the it's the that's the town where uh, innocent man yeah. was written about and like I don't know that, that dark ass story about the guy that was wrongly convicted. Oh yeah, yeah. Um yeah, yeah. you know, it was kind of going nowhere, but the Chickasaw Nation through gaming and through different things that they did with their through their like economic uh advances or whatever they they've built rebuilt that town you know how does the culture in general like uh see the the casino industry i mean you have you know it's a conservative place as well you know so you have the the naysayers and the people that are like ah oh, it's bad for us or whatever but it's like man fuck off like we found the loophole dude <laughs> We found the loophole and we made some money. You getting checks? And now you got, no, 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 no. I don't get checks. But like, you know, my tribes, it goes, filters back into different programs, you mm -hmm. know, the healthcare and different things. Oh, that's like how that. they handle it? Yeah. So, so it's so, tribe for tribe, how they disperse the money? Yeah, you can disperse in different ways. And most yeah. of them kind of go through, uh, just kind of build up their own programs that benefit their their members so like housing health care yeah, things like that yeah. government certainly didn't do it yeah, exactly yeah and so you know we found a way to do it and so for me it's like man like it's this th thriving operation in the middle of you know the, the, the one of the reddest states and in, in, uh, it's in the country right? yeah and what what do you uh, like is there like how what is the dynamic between the, the the sort of generalized white collective and the native people? Well, if you've been in Oklahoma for a number of generations, you're yeah. part native. You know, you have yeah. natives in your family at this oh, point. Okay, right, right. So right. it's okay. very much accepted and, and more celebrated. You know, yeah. You'll have your so there's a lot of there's a lot of Republican Indians. I don't think so. <laughs> I just don't think so. I mean, maybe, you know, probably if they're not too connected to the culture. Yeah. Um, I just think natives don't vote in national politics as much. Oh, they you know, just, honestly. they're out. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. like, you know, and we kind of have our own thing going on there. I mean, like, I can't speak for all of them, obviously, but yeah. like, you know. I, I just think it was a it was a great way of growing up. I mean, my grandma, you know, I grew up in Holdenville, Oklahoma. Right. Country. Yeah. You know, and I'd be at my grandma's house. Yeah. And one of the coolest people was her white farmer neighbor. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it, it was very open and up. When I was a kid, I felt like I didn't feel different. Yeah. I, it wasn't until I got older and I was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, it's all fucked up. Like, <laughs> but I didn't feel different when I was young, you know. So when did, when did you start to get into, uh, you know, like it seems like Rumblefish had a profound effect on your Oh, it on did. Your brain. It did. Outsiders, Rumblefish. You yeah. know, I mean, all that Essie Hinton stuff. You know, because I mean, that like, was Oklahoma. Yeah, it was all in Tulsa. And uh, but like, there's a couple of straight up homages to Rumblefish in one of the movies. Yeah, you still you rewrote that graffiti. Yeah. on that underpass, exactly, exactly like, like yeah. Motorcycle boy, boy rains, yeah. right? Is it rains or lives? Motorcycle lives. boy rains, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I was like, I know it does. Yeah. You know, that was in Miko. That was in Miko, and then in uh, Reservation Dogs when the he, guy lifted up when he floats up. Yeah, when he from, floats up, yeah. straight up, yeah, straight, straight up. up, Matt Dillon. Yeah, straight up. It's funny because uh, <laughs> I was, you know, the two references that I had for the DP were like, uh, you know, it was like Friday, uh -huh. and because you know Friday was South Central LA uh -huh. by all accounts, the ghetto, yeah. dangerous place. Yeah, but that's a celebration of a community. You right, know, it's funny. Right. Yes, and it's colorful. Yeah. And it's quirky. Right. And that's what, you know, I wanted to do with reservation dogs. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. You know, you can look at it and with one gaze, which is like, oh, they're poor. 
Or don't you feel sorry for that? Yeah, I didn't feel that. No, not you. I'm not saying the film. I'm saying mm. in general, you can mm. look at a reservation mm. life like, oh, they need our help. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, there's some right. like guilt built into that. Yeah. Or you can look at it and say, um, the way I look at it and with the way I present it, which is like, no, it's it's fun. It's funny. It's a celebrate. Like it's a great community, thriving community. So that was the one reference, and Rumblefish was the other reference, and the Rumblefish, outsiders. Rumblefish was the other one. Yeah, and the outsiders. Well, I mean, it's interesting because like after watching you know the episodes I saw, you do ask yourself, like I ask myself, is this for young adults? And then like, oh, I just enjoyed it. Yeah. So what does that mean? And it, you know, and speaking of S.E. Hinton, these are kids that that age. Yeah. Exactly. Like, uh, really? And they're, and they're dealing with real shit, but they're also being kids. You know, I think those books and those movies captured that, you know, for sure. Yeah. Um, so when you're growing up, when did you start to, you know, have this idea that you could do this? I didn't, you know, like I always wanted to be, I always thought I'd be a painter. I was the kid that like, uh, everyone at school when they needed a poster drawn, like I would, I would do Oh, the you one. were the painter? Did you yeah, have painters like, in your family? My dad's an artist. He didn't paint, but he's a really good artist. What's he do? Uh, you know, he was a construction worker, roof, roofed houses yeah. most of my life. What's his medium art, though? Uh, draw just pencil. Oh yeah, pencil and a pen. Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, he used to draw like Leon Russell. I have this drawing of Leon Russell that he did, and with the and, top hat. Yeah, yeah, and, and the uh, sparkle in his eye. Exactly. Yeah, he's yeah. playing the piano. And yeah, looking. Yeah. I think I have one that he did of Van Morrison. Sure. Um, sure. And then you know he would draw Sitting Bull. You yeah, know yeah. some of the native heroes. And sure, got to do this. The classic sitting bull. Exactly the one, <laughs> the one picture. Yeah, of exactly. Bull. Yeah. Um, so you know, I always grew up with art, and there was just an appreciation for it. But um, my dad, you know, was a construction worker, worked hard, and ended up working for the school. After that, my mom always worked for the tribe, the Seminole Nation, um, and you know, and she also cut hair. Like I used to have like crazy perms and shit. Like she had, she sprayed sun in in my hair one time and turned it orange, and I used to have the Brian Bosworth. Hair haircut i remember like oh, really all the fresh haircuts she would give me because yeah, she'd try them out yeah exactly yeah. and like but i didn't know movies was possible you know i i remember being a kid my dad bringing home um the making of thriller and that oh, was yeah, the first yeah. time i really was like well like right. they make this shit like, right. it's, it's not just happening yeah you know? like, yeah and uh it's not just magic yeah exactly and you know but then my my dad had a um friend that worked for the cable company and he hooked us up with free cable mm -hmm. and so we it was like this time period of watching HBO and it was like stand by me, which was a big reference to reservation dogs. So it was mm -hmm. like stand by me, the, you know, Goonies, the lost boys, oh, the lost boys. I love them. Yeah. Man. All of that, like sort of, sort of nine, yeah. like late eighties, nineties, yeah. uh, films. And, Teen and stuff. I, yeah. And platoon. And, oh yeah. Um, and oh, you, know, you did, there's a, he didn't, yeah, you do yeah. the paintball. That's platoon right. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you know, my dad, I, I was never like, um, I was never censored. Like I watch anything. We yeah. would watch like old war movies together. The Big Red one. I remember watching that. Was that Lee Hamburger Marvin? Hill? Big Red one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, Ham yeah. Hamburger Hill. Oh yeah, yeah. And my dad was this. We we will watch a movie to death, and and I think it helped me in writing because like I would, I, I he and I could quote movies. You know, like sure. The Outsiders or yeah. like whatever. Um, I didn't know I could make it though, and that was it. Wasn't until I went to college and where'd you go? I went to the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, and I and I kind of didn't get the gp i was in painting school i didn't get the gpa for art so you were you wanted painting you were how's your painting i mean it's not like riding a bike like right i, I need to practice but, but did you feel like you were getting yourself out in I, it? I did feel like i was getting somewhere and getting yeah. better you know yeah, yeah. um and I, I had a really good art teacher this uh, white guy and uh mr b um, uh -huh. in, in my high school yeah and, uh, he was a, he, you know he was like one of those people that gave you life advice sure of course and he said um even <laughs> profound effect on me and i remember he told me he said um <laughs> he said stop painting yeah exactly <laughs> no no he said if you really want to do this yeah uh he's like don't have a backup plan 
He's like, don't have That's a fallback right. plan because you'll right. fall back. That's right. And he's like, do you think I wanted to be a teacher and teach art? Like, no, I wanted to be a painter. Uh, and that just like really took, hit me in the core. Yeah, right. well, it's like, look at me. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I kept that with me to this day. You know, it was like, don't be me. Exactly. <laughs> just this <laughs> sage white man advice. And, uh, you know, I just, that stuck with me. And I, I got to college and I didn't do well. I was partying too much. Didn't get the GPA. Got put yeah. on academic probation. Yeah. Yeah. And then decided to take an intro to film and video studies uh, class taught by this Hungarian professor. His name's Misha Nadelkovic. And it was, he, it was through him where he showed me that cinema was a language. Right. I was sold then. Well, I mean, geez, man. I, I mean, that first feature is tight. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't feel like a first feature. It's yeah. not rough. Yeah. You know, you, 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 know, you kind of nailed it. Well, thank you. <laughs> So I mean, I, my bank account would say different back then. I was like, you know, it was like I remember I went to the Sundance Labs. What happened was I was in college and I wrote a script, Four Sheets to Win. Yeah, I got accepted into the Sundance Labs, and I thought I was about to take over the town after that. You know, I was oh, yeah. like, this is it, man. Because it was like Tarantino, ticket. Paul Thomas Anderson, had went there. Who was your mentor? Uh, I had you know Jim Taylor, still a good friend of mine. Yeah. Um, I oh, had, Jim Taylor, I know. Jim yeah, you Taylor. know Jim. He talks about you. We. Yeah. Uh, he was at the premiere of Reservation Dogs in New York. He's still a good friend. And, um, and how's Tamara. he doing he's really good man I love that guy holy shit yeah he said he told me that he hung out with you a time or two I way back in the day yeah. he used to date my first wife's friend yeah and that's we, right yeah and we kind of we hung out when he was partners with Julian yeah yeah and he was like the first time I met him he might have even been working at Canon Films oh that's right he used to yeah, yeah, yeah. it was crazy he told me some crazy ass stories about, about that about Golem and Globus yeah, whatever yeah. go on yeah. and Globus no he's a good dude and he, he was a he was a mentor of mine we ended up writing a TV show together after that um, oh yeah yeah and what we, happened to that uh, it was killed it was like um, yeah it was in the days of like um, it was before streaming was big yeah and uh, we but sold, we sold it? it no you, we sold it okay and it was weird I mean this is a different industry then sure they the the people that we sold it to were like we want to do this because Alexander Payne was going to be the um, executive producer and direct the pilot and they, and they said they said we want to do this but only if Sterling doesn't write it and it's you and Alexander that write it, you know. Yeah, and it was just such a yeah. different time. Yeah, right? Push the creator out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, push yeah. the brown kid out. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it was like a native show, you know. Really? Yeah. And it just ended up kind of fizzling out. But from the Hungarian guy, you know, where do you where do you start to put stuff together? I mean, what do you start to do to engage your creativity around writing? And you know, I was just so naive, man. I I, I was like, I'm gonna make films, like. I'm gonna make films, and I, I found a kid that had a camera. Yeah, I went and made this shitty movie that will never see the light. I shot it like a David Lean, you know, because yeah. I'd just seen what, like sixteen or, or beta. Oh or no, what? I was like DV cam, cam oh, you know. And this yeah, kid yeah. had just graduated from like the Dallas Arts Institute, yeah, so he yeah. was like, "I got some good shit, man." Yeah, yeah. I remember when we went to get the microphone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is how dumb I was. Like, yeah. I wanted to get the microphone. We went to Radio Shack. Yeah. And we're looking at the the different microphones. This yeah. is to do all the production sound, right? And we're looking at the microphones, and and there's one that's like sixty bucks, and he picks one up that's like twenty five. Yeah. And I was like, don't you think we should spend the money? Yeah. For the sixty. 60 yeah. And he's like, nah, it'll record the same. <laughs> and it was literally just like a church mic, like a preacher's yeah. mic, yeah. that we taped to a pole, yeah. and we would just hang it in the middle of a scene. It didn't yeah. even like it, yeah. it would never pick up sound. And we shot ninety percent of that. 
It's so and funny. I, and that, I shot these like epic yeah. shots. Yeah. It was like, and it's so pixely and shitty that like it just looked like a pixel of a guy walking <laughs> through a field towards you. You know, <laughs> like a, like it was an effect. Yeah, but yeah. I learned how to. I fucked up and I learned how to. You were not a frame. I oh, learned yeah. how to. I learned how uh, through fucking that whole thing up. I learned how to make a movie because I learned what not to do. Yeah. yeah, it's so funny the place Radio Shack held in our 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 hearts. <laughs> you just always go there for something, and there, it was all garbage. Yeah. Like, you know, Radio Shack brand batteries. Yeah, like exactly. every, it was just crap. And yeah. you'd be like, gotta go to Radio Shack. No, you don't. Yeah, no. <laughs> and go don't, anywhere else. And they don't have good production sound recording no, equipment either. They got, they got nothing. Yeah. They to, uh, I think we had a four track. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so, that, so that was it. But then didn't you start making sketches and stuff? Yeah, well, you know, I went to the Sundance Labs, uh, went out to LA. I was like, I'm the toast of the town. You were? Uh, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm, I thought it was the toast of the town. I was ready to, you know, I well, went you, go, the, you went out with the script or the film? The script, Four Sheets of Wind, I went out and I was trying to get f- financing. And Oh yeah, where'd and, you go? Just and because for, of Sundance, yeah. everyone took my meeting, right? but no one wanted to make the film. And really? they would say things like, um, you know, this would be really great, but like if, if there was a way to get Philip Seymour Hoffman on the poster or someone with a name, we, we could finance sure. it, you know? And um, he was a mentor too. Like he, he read my script and gave me notes. But, oh, um, did he? Yeah, you knew him? Yeah, he was at the labs and he was an actor there. And he, oh, okay. He was at a screenplay reading and yeah. played characters in my script and just a sweet, sweet guy. Yeah. Um, and so after that, I was like, man, I got to get out of this town because they're not going to make my movies at all. So you did you feel like... Uh discouraged to spit out or that like this town wasn't for you like because like it's one thing to come out i mean i guess the sundance webs probably gave you some sense of the business yeah right it did but but i think it spoiled me in a way because they cared so much about my writing and the art artistic side of it Mm -hmm. and i wouldn't be doing it without them bird running water at the sundance institute for the native program yeah like a scout that came out and found me in oklahoma but um you know, like I, I wouldn't be doing this without that experience. But on the business side, just the industry, they didn't want to make this stuff. You know, they 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 would say things like it's just not native enough, or it's too native. But or, what is that? See, but that's the interesting thing that like what dawned on me when watching all your stuff is that that this movement towards evening the the leveling yeah. the playing field around engaging marginal voices or unheard voices. Yeah. Like it's got to get out of that model of like we did our one Indian movie, exactly. right? It's got to be. It's got to have some uh, you know relatively equal representation per the you know the spectrum, yeah. right? Yeah, right. And uh, and then all of a sudden you get something like I, I feel like there's a little progress being made in uh, diversifying fiction. Mm-hmm. Now if we could just <laughs> make it occur in reality, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, like exactly. I mean, like you know. I, I I would never want you know the, there's kind of a a complicated thing this the 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 diversity thing because because I don't want it's like you don't want to be given an opportunity that you don't deserve. Well, I don't think that's what's happening. I yeah. think a lot of people have been waiting. Yeah, exactly. Like like because I I can't tell you how many white writers I hear like well they're probably just going to hire a person that can do the job that's not like you. Yeah, and and they they can't see it as anything but them getting fucked as opposed to it's more competitive. Yeah. Right. But I think that there's always this, uh, for me anyway, there was yeah. always this thing of like, I don't want to be handed anything, you know? But you got chops, man. Yeah, no, I, I feel confident about right. that now, right. but I just never had a budget or like the opportunity to do that until right. Reservation Dogs. Really? Like, oh, you know, really? Yeah. I was, I was making my films on a budget, you know, no one was getting paid. I was doing it in Oklahoma. And that was because I came out to LA and people were like, you know, native films don't sell. We're not going to fund it, you know? So I went back to Oklahoma and just made them for micro budgets. It's, but it's interesting because they're, they're 
they're they're they are fundamentally. I mean, they're narrative films and they they have stories, but they're art films to a degree. I mean, Miko yeah. really, arguably, is sort of an art film for sure. Which means that you have the poetic freedom to sort of move through whatever you need to move through and not have a clear resolve at the end. Yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, my my uh, my late girlfriend did that. Yeah. You know, she made films that were from her heart for sure and didn't land. They didn't have to sort of seal up, have a happy ending or yeah. or whatever. Uh, but uh, but. It just seems to me that there is a place for those movies. There's just so many of them, some of them very bad, and it's yeah. hard to get them seen. Yeah, it's hard to get them seen. And it, how do you pitch that? You know, like, you know, well, I'm it's, gonna, it's gonna be a little vague and a little vague, and it's it's a sad ending. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, you know, like the the type of storytelling that I, you know, I'm a, I love like. Um, southern gothic you know like mm -hmm. that's what really gets me going is is, is that type of storytelling sure. and i think it's just similar to the storytelling i grew up with you know native yeah. storytelling or my white family too you sure know? um it's just that slow paced what's the white family uh my my grandma i'm half italian and german yeah and and seminole creek my grandpa was italian there oh, okay. was this program called uh the relocation act back yeah. in the day where they would send natives out of their community to go work in cities that's why there's the la big la urban community yeah chicago had a big one my grandma and all of, of natives her, yeah, yeah my grandma and all of her brothers got sent to chicago yeah and it was kind of pitched as this like you're gonna learn how to make money and do yeah. do a trade right. but really it was like take them out of their community and so they can build skyscrapers they'll assimilate into oh the, the white world oh, that right? was the idea yeah like, like to gonna... fracture that community it was it was, it was that's what it was about and my grandma then went to chicago and luckily, they all went back home. But my grandma met this Italian man in Chicago. So, so that was an insidious intent was to breed them out of existence? It was an attempt to... I think that there's there was a... I think it was an attempt to just fracture the native sort of social of oh, the community the communities you oh, know and and assimilate them into the white world and kind of another way of like curing the indian problem i mean that happened with boarding schools it happened with the dawes act in oklahoma where you know and and different areas where like we we had tried we didn't have individual land yeah and then they broke it up into 180 right two acres or whatever and right. each individual tribal member got it and that sounds brilliant you know but like really it was to fracture that community aspect and that and that social sort of construct of those societies you know right yeah. so your grandma got an italian guy she got an italian guy and brought him home but didn't one of your grandparents was married to a, a white woman as well? The one who's in the uh, yes. uh, this may be the last exactly. That so that's my that's my grandma Jessie. Yeah, and she grew up in a town, Seminole Indians mainly in that town called yeah. Sasakwa, Oklahoma. Yeah, and she met, um, and she you know met this local native kid, and they fell in love. And yeah, man, I mean, just that story is crazy. Yeah, man. I mean, Southern Gothic for sure. I mean, that my grandma, my white grandma, she was one of the best storytellers I ever knew. You know, she's, she's amazing. Gone she's gone. Yeah. But amazing. And I'm so glad that I captured that story because that was just one of so many that, that she would tell me. Well, it's an interesting story about, you know, that, uh, that that's the whole arc of the story about your grandfather's accident and, you know, his the body being gone. Yeah. And, and then the hat. Yeah. The hat, like, like, because I didn't know where that was going. Because yeah. I, when I, because it's really about the music, yeah. of of natives, these hymns, yeah. that uh, you know, you it happens with with Jews and anybody who has a language and has uh, a tradition, yeah. that eventually the young people are going to be like, nah, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, exactly. it's a problem, yeah, you know, because then a whole history as well. It is, yeah. So you're sort of tracking 
the sort of the history of these hymns, that how the Christian uh, hymns through Scotland and through uh, uh, missionaries yeah. kind of integrated with the Indian language and the Indian rhythms. And but but then there's this whole other story about your grandfather, yeah. you know, uh, disappearing. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I I really like the guy. You used him in uh, Miko too as an actor. The, yeah. What's his name? Would go long. How'd you know that guy? I met him the day I interviewed him uh, for, for for this maybe the last time. He was mowing, and I went at he was mowing at this church grounds, and I went. And I sat down with him. I knew him as a I knew him as a singer. Uh huh. And because I'd seen him at a he I think he'd been an extra in a in, in a Barking Water another film of mine, and um. So I didn't know him though, but he sat down and did this interview and just like bared his soul and but also can very sing touching. and also can sing, you know, like well, nobody's business. Well, that the whole history of the importance of the song came through him and yeah. his experience and his his shame. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, well, you hear people say that a lot. Like I did things there that I'm not proud of, but like you feel it when he says that. You know, you hear him in movies say that a lot. Like when I was yeah, a yeah, nom, yeah. this yeah. was bad. But like, yeah, you feel it, man. Yeah, for with him. Yeah, like, yeah. You and, feel it hard when and he saying. chose to come back to those. Well, I never knew, but that's another thing. Like you know, with those, with that movie, I learned that all about those Indian churches. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like this whole world of uh, Indian churches in Oklahoma and these yeah. traditions that are sort of going by the wayside. And then your grandmother's there, and then that the idea of your grandfather who turned on the church and became a bass player. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah. all there, man. Yeah, man. I mean, like you know, it was like for me. Uh, for me, it's always been about subverting this narrative that has been put upon us as indigenous people. You know, it's like, you know, it's not the coolest thing in the world to walk in a room and say, uh, you know, I can sing a native song, but it's a Christian song, you know, like, <laughs> but for me, it was important because like people don't know that story, man. I want them to know that. You know how to sing those songs? I do. Yeah. Melodies are hard, dude. Yeah, man. They're hard and they're, um, they're deep. I mean, you grow up with them, you know, where I'm from, that's the funeral songs, you know, and it's, yeah. it's what elders sing and it's yeah. what you hear at when, when someone passes away, you know, and there's just like, I don't know, man, there's poetry in that. And there's, sure. well, it's like a friend of mine once said that whether you believe in God or not, the act of prayer, those grooves have been dug yeah. for so long yeah, that you're man. tapping into something. Do you tap in? I mean, it's like a concert, man. It's like, yeah, you, but you're going all the way back to the beginning of the time of your people. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's there. Right. It's in the DNA. Yes. Yeah, it is, man. I, I believe that. And I, and if I sing those songs or if I hear those songs, like sure. it just takes me there. But it also takes me to a past that I didn't know about. You know, because a lot of those songs were composed on the Trail of Tears and like, you know. Used. Um, on yeah, the used on the Trail of Tears yeah. for sure, you know. And um, I don't know, man. It, 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 it connects me at least to something that's bigger than it's, me. It, well, that's the, the, I guess the, the profound thing for me as a white dude, you know, is in watching your stuff and then watching, like I was saying, the, uh, the Underground Railroad thing is like, you know, on one side you have this indentured, you know, brutal slavery, you know, you know this and yeah. servitude. And then on the other side you have genocide. Mm -hmm. Like these are the, these are foundational realities of two of the you know primary populations yeah. of our country. Yeah. You know, and then this manifest destiny bullshit yeah. is like this is the problem we're up against now is that it's not just simple racism. Mm -hmm. It's people that believe in manifest destiny still. Yeah, exactly. You know, like that's the only way they can justify it. It's like it's not about democracy or brown people. It's just that we are entitled to this because this was the vision of this country. Yeah. So that's what we're up against. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, I think about like some of the towns in Oklahoma and a lot of good people, you know, a lot of really good people, but they've been fed this bullshit where it's like everything outside of their experience is bad. 
You know, it's like the gays, you know, the Mexicans are taking our job, you know, and it, be, and it feeds itself and it becomes this like yeah. machine of hate yeah. and, and, and bigotry, you know, and like you go talk to them and say their dinner table, they're good people. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's, it's the difference between the lives they live and what they put in their head. You know, mm-hmm. there's, it's like very different now. Yeah. But like, but they, but sadly, yeah, the Mexicans are taking our jobs. But I imagine that most of the time when they look at natives, they're like, no, they're done. Yeah, exactly. Or like, or or it's the thing of like, oh, the casinos and you know, they they get thousand dollars a yeah. month. You oh, know? that's right. <laughs> yeah. They're doing all right. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know? it's like, man, I'm, I don't get any money <laughs> for being a native. You know, like we ju- we're just, uh, you know, it's like we're we found a way to kind of take care of our own. Well, what was this? Uh, this? How did the? Um, what, did you start? Really, kind of like finding your voice a little more when you were in that sketch group. I don't know about yeah. that. Well, how did that happen? When, when you when you got back from Hollywood? Yeah. So we we. I mean, it was part of the same thing that I feel like I've always done, which is native humor is specific. You know, I feel like it's similar to Jewish humor. It's similar to it is, but no one knows about it. No one knows about it, man. It's, it's great. Like, yeah. It's like there's like you watch that the, the reservation dogs thing. It's like it's a whole different timing. Yeah, man. It's different, right? Yeah, yeah. but it's like it's, it's, it's about absence of of jokes. Sometimes it's about silences, it's, and it, there's a rhythm to yeah, it. Yeah, to the way that uh, you know, those a couple of those kids are hilarious. Yeah, for the, sure. And uh, that one woman, that one girl, Willie Jack, she yeah. played Paulina. She plays yeah, yeah, yeah. It's she's, a tough one. The yeah, fuck yeah, you, yeah. Fuck, fuck you. you. <laughs> yeah, she's got such great <laughs> timing and improv. Yeah. And then the the farmer, what's his name? Uh, Gary. Gary. Yeah, yeah. He shows up, yeah, and man. he was like, he was so great. You know, I, I he was so memorable in Power. Oh yeah, man. Like, but he's got this and thing. Dead Man, you know. Yeah, Oh, and Dead Man yeah, is yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, but he's got that weird, funny uh, Indian timing too. He is he is native humor that guy. Yeah, I mean that yeah. he, he he you can't he, he's defined it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he's it's all through him. And just being able to bring those legends back, the f- legends for us, you know. Like I I grew up. Dead Man was like holy shit. You know, Powell Highway was like holy shit. You know, and to be able to bring that them back and to let them be funny like yeah. west studies in in, in uh, another yeah, yeah, episode yeah, yeah. to bring wes in who has to play like a pawnee scout that's scalping motherfuckers left yeah. and right just to bring him back how and about that play ghost? uncle you know just to be funny oh yeah dallas yeah that guy's hilarious so he was uh part of the comedy group so like You're a comedy yeah group. so we, we started a comedy group called the 1491s it was me dallas goldtooth migazy pinsano uh bobby wilson and uh ryan redcorn and we started this group and it was just because no one had new or where there was nowhere to go for native humor. And we Where'd like, you start it? We we came together. I was showing a film in Minneapolis, and all and a lot of those guys were up there. And we were like, let's just shoot a funny video, and we put it online. And it was kind of like it it got uh, there was a lot of views, you know, and it like kind of blew up overnight. And it wasn't like the, the world didn't know about it, but Indian country knew about well, it. What was it? What it was made it so popular with the Indians? I, well, it was because it was, I think, a place for them to finally see native humor being displayed for the first time. So you were self-mocking, yeah, in a way. Well, part of the good thing that we did, I think, was it's called uh, the New Moon Wolf Pack auditions, and you know, Twilight New Moon, the yeah. natives were werewolves, right? And so we did a video of the audition process for that, yeah. and um, you know, I think most people would try to do a comedy where they're making fun of white people right which is just low-hanging fruit we made fun of ourselves and and how we similar to dallas's character in reservation dogs where we're making fun of this like native machismo (laughs) you know that's like we're tough you know like right we're brave warriors you know and like and we were making fun of that idea yeah and also people selling out their culture you know because so you were making fun of the white person's image of the indian that indians had to not abide by but accept because he grew up with and to feed and to feed into 
Yeah, you know, because they're yeah. like, fuck. One time, my dad and I, we got asked to, um, we got asked to audition for a part. I think it was like, I don't fucking, it was some native movie and there was these auditions and my mom convinced us to go. My dad's got curly hair, yeah, you know, like yeah. does not look like your classic native, you know, yeah, neither yeah. do I. And so we show up, we're, I remember we're both in Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. I think I had a perm, you know, my yeah. mom had done some shit to my yeah. hair. And so we go and we're, we're sitting in the lobby and this is kind of where that video was based off, but we're sitting in the lobby and we're just looking at each other like, man, we don't belong here. There was a native guy that just fucking classic warrior hair down to his ass. Yeah. And he had a choker on and these beads, you know, like a loincloth yeah. and he had his shirt off <laughs> and he was rubbing himself down with baby oil and yeah. doing pushups. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've been to a lot of these, man. I'm fucking, you know, it was just like <laughs> the extent in which you will go to, to be cast. And like, so it was to kinda, sell yourself out, to sell yourself out yeah, and your yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> and not giving a fuck and like you know how many white people are going to see this and, yeah, and they're yeah. just going to feed into that we're yeah. going to have to act like that the rest of our lives or we're not going to make any money ourselves right, you know? right. So, so I think like Dallas's character in Reservation Dogs was it's that it's like if, if I were to ask 90% of the people in the world like give me the first thing that you think of when I say Native American. It would be that image, yeah. right? It would be that guy on what a horse. What he looks like. What he looks like. Right, it would be not, that. Not him being not a, him. Yeah, prefer, exactly. like a, a but I think that that, that I, But I think that that character kind of allows a non-Native audience to come in and go, all right, we're going to make fun of what you think we are Yeah. as we show you all these other images. We're going to make fun of what you think we are, but you're going to laugh with us. We're going to allow you to laugh with that's us. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you very carefully, the point of view is specifically Native. Yeah. You're not giving anything up. Right. Right. Like, you know, yeah, that's what white people are going to see. Like, yeah. we're making fun of ourselves exactly. by showing you that this isn't really who we are. Exactly. But then you're also showing who you are. Yeah. And then also yeah. in that same character, we're showing saying, but we were like this at one point. Sure. You know, sure. Like, like we were like this at one point. But isn't it ridiculous that you think we're still like that? Like that is the image, you know, so let's well, laugh at it together. Well, you know? yeah, but you did that comedically with reservation dogs. But in Miko. Mm -hmm. With that, that sort of like uh, the kind of the misunderstanding of the the warrior type that that actor who plays the cop yeah. in uh, Reservation Dogs. Yeah, What's yeah. that guy's name? Uh, Zon McLaren. Zon McLaren. Yeah, yeah. He was great in yeah. Miko because like this is a guy saying like I'm a war, you know, yeah. I'm a warrior. Yeah. So that was you know a different understanding of yeah. of. It's a, de a different deconstruction yeah, of the of the myth, and it's like mental illness. Like what happens yeah. when that idea, that myth, enters someone's brain that isn't all there and is on drugs and smoking meth? But native, know? but native. It's yeah. not like a white guy's in the enemy. He's we are also can be our own enemies. You that know? fucking movie's heavy, dude. Thank you, man. Yeah, I was very proud of that, and it was like I wanted to show Tulsa. You know, Tulsa is an interesting place, and yeah. I wanted to show it. You know, for what I see it as. You know, and like, oh, dude, when he like, you know, after he you know takes care of that business and then yeah. goes into the water, I'm like, wow, this is some serious Indian <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, like, you're not going to see this in every movie. That's right. You know? you and won't. then the guy just walks away from it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right? Job done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many of those guys were real actors in that? There was about, um, you know, the leads were, well, you know, you mentioned Wood Go Long, yeah. who was in my documentary. I was trying to cast that part. And I was like, man, I need someone like Woodco. You know, I need somebody like Woodco. And so yeah. then I was like, why don't you fucking ask Woodco? So I called him. I was like, Woodco, would you want to be an actor in my movie? He's like, oh, yeah, I like to do that. And yeah. he's like, hey, he just did yeah, it. Yeah, you know, yeah. showed up, acted like, and seemed like, 
later got cast in our play, which is called Between Two Knees, my comedy group. We did, we were commissioned a play that's going to be at Yale this year, but was at the- 1491? Yeah. It was. You com- guys are still an entity? We are, but we're all making TV now, and uh-huh. they're all writers on my show and everything. But we have a play that came out before the pandemic that was yeah. commissioned by the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Okay. And it's called Between Two Knees, and Woodco was one of the leads in that. You know, I mean, yeah. His life totally changed just from one interview that I did. And with it's a comedy? Yeah, it's a musical comedy. So, uh, so the 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 life arc of the fourteen ninety ones, where you did that video, and then where does it go from there? You know, it led into other videos. We were like, man, people really like this. Let's keep a new doing tour. It. Is it sketch? And, group and then we started touring because we because people with the videos, yeah, because people really loved it, and we would get invited to all these reservations and different native communities, and we were like, well, we need to develop a live show. So we started. I reluctantly did, but we started developing a live show. So it was sketches, sketches, and, and then film. Yeah, and we would show videos, and you know, like. As a comedian, you know, I've heard you talk about this, but it's like, there's nothing like bombing, you know, like, oh oh my God, like we would do every now and then we'd show up and it'd be an all white audience and we were not ready for that shit. You know, like we just had the Indian jokes. Where they're looking at you like, uh, like, oh, look, they brought in some natives. Exactly. But they weren't ready because like one of the hardest was one time there was an art, it was a group of, it was a conference of art curate, native art curators Uh and native art curators. They don't like native shit is no laughing matter to them. You know, like they, they hold us in, in earnest. Museum curators. Yeah. Uh And so, and so they deal with native art and we tried to make them laugh and none of them were native, but like, none of them were native. No, 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 no. no. It was like Europeans and, and you know, mostly white folks. Mm -hmm. And, um, we bombed hard. They did not, they were like snickering, like they didn't want to laugh. And what we realized though, and we had a couple of other shows like that, like a college, like in West Virginia. Uh And, um, what we realized is, uh, you know white people need permission to laugh at us and with us. Yeah, because they don't want to be called out. Exactly. And so, yeah. you, so you kind of have to build in the permission a little bit. Yeah. With them, you know, invite them in a little yeah. bit. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's interesting that the, he, he, because even like a curator of native art, I have to assume rarely has any sense of native life. And I, right. and I think that, you know, what, what becomes revealed with, with white people in general is like, we don't fucking know. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. And these people are dealing with the art yeah. and they don't fucking know. They don't know. Yeah. They don't know nothing. They don't know. I mean, and I you know, I grew up in New Mexico around, you know, galleries where, you know, you've got the the white woman with all the turquoise, oh, yeah, man. you know, and everything. And she's got, you know, she's showing the painting. She owns the gallery. Oh, yeah. And they, their sense, that sense of the Indian is different than, you know, Iron Eyes Cody yeah. or whatever the hell's going on in movies. But mm-hmm. it is equally totally. as, as, um, uh, uh, limited. It's like just so you know, this was made by a real Native yeah. American. You know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, all right. Yeah. yeah. Why don't we just yeah. let them set their booth up and sell their shit? You know yeah, what right, I mean? Yeah. Right. Like, but also then there's a market to feed, and then your art changes because of it. You know, and 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 that's dark. You know. Yeah. yeah. What do you mean? I mean, How's like, dark? you know, like one of the concepts I think of, like, you know, looking at Love and Fury, where right. there yeah, are yeah. a lot of those artists are making art to make money. Well, that's what, like, that's what, like, it, it made me, it humbled me, dude, because you you get older, you get jaded. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I grew up around those people yeah, and, yeah. you know, there's something uh, about, you know, college or just post-college about, you know, how people are doing experimental art yeah. or, you know, performance art and all this stuff. And as you get more into show business, you get more cynical and you're like, no, nah, what do they fucking, what do they think is going to exactly, happen there? Yeah, yeah. But the truth is what is happening on a smaller scale is enforcing a community. It's, it's freeing an individual mm-hmm. with, you know, 
with this creativity. Yeah. It, it is touching people, mm-hmm. but you get sort of cynical because you're sort of like, but how many really? And it's like, <laughs> how many does it need? Yeah. You know, it, it'd be nice if they could make a living or get yeah. a grant, but so many people, like, but what were you going to say? It gets no, but dark. there's freedom though in that. Right. Like, there's that's freedom in that. And when, you, when you're not worried about making money because you know you're not going to make money, yeah. there's freedom in that to just say, what do I want to say? Right. You know, and like, I think that like, that's what we lose in this sort of internet modern society, which is like, we forget that people also just want to say stuff. Yeah. And that's good. And, 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 and a lot of artists, that's why they do their work, you know? Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that it's easy to forget that and it's not easy to forget it when you have uh people that you know money isn't on the table yeah we're just making art yeah you know yeah and we're saying something because we come from communities that were displaced we come from communities that were fractured and we live in a country that that the the founders of that country quote unquote you know tried to fracture our communities and so it's like what do you want to say like you're not gonna get rich off this shit but you can say something yeah and you can inspire younger kids yeah you know because like we were all native kids growing up in our little communities and and i i didn't you know like i was talking to jokingly earlier about the the Seminole wars film you know it's like I, i grew up with movies where my people were being attacked and 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 were the enemies you yeah. know like yeah. we were the bad guys yeah. in every fucking film yeah and that does something to you you know as uh-huh. a child it does uh-huh. something you know? yeah um it's not like it, it didn't fuck me up but it definitely i have an altered sense of i think that another kid would have that's that doesn't have the experience like i grew up with my people as the enemy in the films you know you were uh, how you were represented it's sort but see like that's similar uh, a similar Sort of a struggle as as a black representation yeah. in film and women representation for film, sure. right? For sure. Yeah. You know, one of the things that um, I get a lot of questions on with Reservation Dogs and because there were we have Native women writers and and uh, all of that. It's like uh, it's like people are like, wow, you know, you have a lot of women on your team. It's like, yeah. why the fuck wouldn't I? <laughs> yeah. Like our communities are made up of women and men. Yeah. And and if we're telling a story, right? Like, yeah. why would we not? hire women to write on on the I, you know and like and you start realizing like there's gatekeepers and there's weird shit in this industry but i didn't come up in this industry you know i, I was an independent filmmaker and for me it's important to it's not like i'm box checking yeah but there are voices that need to be a part of this yeah show, I, I i mean i made uh, you, you know a show of my own and i was huh. i was i was bad in the sense that like I had a limited budget. I only yeah. had a few slots for writers, and I didn't mix it up. Yeah. And you know, I feel I feel somewhat guilty about it because I think it could have been a better show. Yeah, but I just did what you know you do, and yeah. I, I didn't sort of make a stand. And there wasn't enough slots in my mind. But I think in retrospect, it probably would have been better. Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't it be? Yeah, I don't know why. You know, you got to learn how to you know outfuck your you know uh, unfuck your brain. Yeah, I mean, I do anyways. Yeah. You know, to realize certain things, but that's part of the learning curve. No, it is, and and you know, I think that um, you know we're all we're all learning that right now. I but believe. but I think also like in, in for me being my age, you know, fifty seven, and then having this you know relatively human and cathartic experience you know engaging with your work Mm -hmm. you know it's like i don't feel bad that i didn't know these things Mm -hmm. i feel good that i was open to it and that some for some reason it was exposed to me i don't wouldn't have seen it if you weren't coming on the show you know and i think that yeah i believe cliff mentioned you because i was like i need to get some native comics yeah you know, and there's a couple of guys I kind of know of their work, yeah. but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. And you seem to encapsulate something 
bigger because of the the sketch thing. Yeah. But there are native stand-ups. I knew Charlie. You know, Charlie, man, I was going to mention that. Charlie Hill, yeah. yeah. Man, I was going to mention that because I met him once. And, you know, thinking of like what I've done in my career and what I've thrived to do, I think about him standing out there alone back in the day, telling these jokes, man, and like not, and you know, if, if there would have been 50 other native comedians, maybe he would have done different jokes. Sure. But he was doing the jokes that had to be done at that time yeah. to break us all into this world and to break white audiences into our humor, you know? And I think that, I, I think that he doesn't get enough credit sometimes for what he did standing up there by himself doing that. I don't think that a lot of, enough people know about him because there was like, he was also doing it in the way that he could at that time, you know, standing up against that stereotype yeah. and talking real shit in his jokes. Like it was, it was real native point of view stuff. And he had to acknowledge that stereotype in that comedy, you know, whereas like I have the freedom now yeah. to not always acknowledge it and talk about it and like i can just tell a story about kids that are stealing a chip truck to yeah. to the stooges i want to be your dog you know and yeah, like yeah, yeah. and like but he he didn't have that luxury he he had to address those stereotypes because that's all he was facing that's right he well it was you know he had to transcend the gimmick that he was stuck in yeah man it's right crazy you know i remember when i was a doorman at the comedy store yeah. when i was starting out he was around and we yeah. get high you know and, and yeah. i talked to him a little bit but again i didn't have the context yeah, yeah. to really sort of like you know do what you would have done yeah, yeah. knowing him or what cliff how he framed him mm -hmm. you know for me it was like here's another you know comic yeah yeah you know, exactly he's the indian guy probably got some issues <laughs> you know, sure yeah working through it but, but like, he was a myth you know he was a legend yeah, yeah, by that time yeah. you know but he had had his day what was he i mean you know he was at the store a lot right that was kind of his base like yeah yeah you know. but you know he was before my time yeah. i mean like it seems like you know his heyday was probably in the late 70s ish man i look at that video of him i think he was on the richard Pryor. yeah i look at that video of him yeah going up there i think he has a ribbon shirt on which is like yeah. very common in our community and yeah. i just think of and i just think of that like man like walking out on that stage and facing all that history had to offer for your people and mm. and having to turn that into a joke that 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 the people that the non-native people that don't understand your world to turn that into something very digestible to them mm. and to do it with confidence that he did that's fucking hard man and i didn't get that when i was young when i first heard him when i first sure. heard him it was like yeah those are just indian jokes you know yeah. like but like as i as i realized what he faced yeah it's like holy shit man that's hard to do stand up and after i did my own live shows and stuff and, and, bombed, bom and bombed my you know <laughs> fell on my face how many times you fall on your face was it only for white people there was a few times there was for a white people no no no, no. oh okay. it, anyone i mean oh, i mean indians I, you, you bomb, bomb for indians? Front of any okay. of them too. Yeah, yeah, yeah i mean <laughs> some of my you know we we've definitely bombed one time we had a show in tulsa uh -huh. and uh we just had one of the best shows of our lives a few months before in tulsa uh -huh. and then we had another show but we didn't realize that it was a you know comedy in an outdoor lawn yeah isn't great oh like, no you lose all the sound yeah man you lose yeah. the sound and so it's the there. worst you just watch it go away because you can't hear it and you just see people sitting there eating yeah or whatever. And, like, yeah. and like most of them are sitting in the very back yeah, you know yeah. and, and it, we didn't realize it was like conservative sunday it was like a reggae show day uh -huh. and so it was like bunch of people that didn't want to hear us yeah and uh, one man was trying to storm the stage because one of the guys had said said abortion and he was i don't fucking take care of you know he's like christian man and sure. yelling and a friend of mine tried to had to had to like stop him and um she had just played a music <laughs> set and uh you know i we didn't know what to do we were bombing and yeah. so i got the guitar and i sang uh jambalaya yeah you did how'd <laughs> yeah. that go we just did it over and over on repeat just nah. to piss him off. it was beautiful you know it was like i took back we took back that like power <laughs> yeah, good. 
Not only are we bombing, we're going to dig in. Exactly. We totally dug in. And then we had to leave. And then there were, uh, I think the police were called at some yeah, point. you got to yeah. make it punk rock yeah, if, you, if exactly. you don't want to take the hit. If you don't want to you know, kind of leave with your tail between your legs. <laughs> that's right. Punk rock it. That's right. Well, that's interesting what you say about Charlie because it's, it, it, is, it is the shoes you walk in. Yeah. That even if it's with you or without, that the the condition is only slightly different. Yeah, it is the native condition yeah. of how you confront culture, uh, predominantly white entertainment mm-hmm. culture is is similar. I mean, you know, obviously most people don't see that stereotype mm-hmm. anymore, and I think yeah. most people, if you grow up in a certain place, have experience with native people to some degree. Yeah. But it's still, you know, you've got to you know own yourself for yourself and for your people in front of this, you know, white blob, you know, it's the same journey. No, it is journey and it's a similar journey. I think that because of Charlie Hill, because of Joy Harjo, because of, uh, you know, uh, all all of the people and entertainers, Gary Farmer, everybody that John Trudell, I mean, all the people that came before me, you know, it's kind of like standing on their shoulders and, and it's, and it's, it's, it's helped me face it and 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 move through it and all the work that they did helped my work become possible i mean like look i was a broke independent filmmaker all the way up until reservation docs you know like like i I wasn't making money on these independent films but i was but i love herzog and i love i love all of these filmmakers that that like inspired me and i wanted to tell those stories so i I found ways to do it I, i didn't make money but um but now I found myself in a situation where I have a good friend named Taika Waititi who became a sort of star and like made Thor and all this stuff and and became very recognizable and made Jojo Rabbit and you know what was uh, that other one the I just saw his the the one with Sam Neill in it and the kid. oh Hunt for the Wilder People oh my yeah God. it's so good man that's so good and so you know I I find myself you know sitting with him where I'm visiting him because I started working in TV a little yeah. bit I'm visiting with him. And we had a couple tequilas yeah. and he said, you know, I have a deal at FX. If you ever come up with anything, like, let me know. And he's my friend. I never treated, I, yeah, I never yeah. asked for right. it. He was like, I, you're my buddy. Right. You know? And that's all that we left it at. Yeah. But he said that and I was like, well, let's do it. And we literally just came up with it that night. Yeah. Um, we, <laughs> we left, I, I, I wrote stuff down. I went home. A couple of days later, I sent him a little outline of just the idea. He he loved it. He yeah. gave it to the producer Garrett Bosch, who had been producing um, what we do in the Shadows TV show. Yeah, and he made a call to an exec and said, "You have to buy this. Like, this is yeah. nothing like it." Yeah, and they were like, "Sold." Yeah, and my agents called me and they're like, "What the fuck is Reservation Dogs?" I was like. Oh, it's oh, a yeah. show that I thought I'd hear from Tiger a year later about it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, we're in a pandemic making a, a pilot, you know, yeah. and, a, and a whole show in a pandemic. Was, How'd you cast those kids? Are they all native kids? They're all native kids. They, um, you know, we, it's funny because people ask me, like, like, people say, like, there's no way to cast. Like, how, how did you find them? Or, like, you know, a lot of people say you, you can't find it. It's like, dude, like, just no one's. There's only a, a Western made out here every four years yeah. or, or 10. Yeah. You know? So no, there's not a lot of native actors here beating down the door to, right. to play a dead person in front of a teepee, you yeah. know, like, and, uh, <laughs> and so you got to go to those communities and that's what we did. We had a great casting director named Angelique Midthunder and she, we went out and we just went to all these native communities and open auditions, man. And these kids came in and 
killed you know i mean like there's so many <laughs> yeah, yeah. good actors that came in yeah so many that weren't cast you know yeah. and the kids that there's a whole group of them that almost got cast as the four leads yeah and all these kids are from oklahoma the ones that were about to be cast or got close to being cast yeah well they all became the bad guy gang you oh, know right, so right, it was right. like yeah, yeah all yeah. these kids that have never acted before in their lives you know came doing real good yeah doing man real good yeah yeah it's very exciting buddy thank you man um quick question yeah. uh uh, when someone says uh, off reservation, is that slang that's offensive? Uh, I don't. I, uh, I I just I don't get offended. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there are people that will. <laughs> it's like it's like let's have a powwow. You know, like my agents have said that to me. Like we can have a powwow. Well, that seems a little more offensive. Yeah, it it is. Uh, but I'll, I don't get offended. I just make fun of people when they. Well, say, I mean, you, I, know. you know, but I just because I say that, and I don't even know that I connected it to Indian life. Well, yeah. So, so and, you know, and, and then someone wrote me and so said, like, you know, that's very offensive to Indians. Yeah. I'm like, is it? Yeah. So, like, well, I, I guess like, I haven't talked to many. Yeah. So I thought, I thought yeah, I'd yeah, throw yeah. it to you. I mean, how well, often yeah, I can have an Indian in my garage? Yeah, I'll tell you. I mean, like, you know, if you think of a powwow, a powwow was started because our ceremonies became illegal. And through genocide, they became illegal, yeah. and we had to do something. And so yeah. we started powwows because they were a safer way to do stuff. And right. they became an intertribal way of us to gather and dance and to yeah. try to hang on to our culture. Right. There's a lot of shit it's heavy. into that. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot to so, unpack when a so when white guy goes, you want to have a powwow? Exactly. So when you're in Hollywood <laughs> in a meeting, he's like, let's go have a little powwow about this real quick. It's just like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> it's a whole fucking... Whole you f- don't have the right... <laughs> To use that language right. around me. Don't say that yeah. word. Uh, oh, the other thing is, like, tell me again about. Uh, so you, the, it, you're having a hard time figuring out where to premiere this, and they were going to do it at, at Hollywood <laughs> oh, Forever oh, yeah, yeah. The, at the cemetery. Like, if people don't know, Hollywood Forever is this is this event. It's a cemetery with a lot of famous actors. It's a famous cemetery, but they do they do movies there. Yeah. Right, so so because we can't do it inside, is that the thing they they wanted to find a place to screen exactly the premiere of, of Reservation Dogs? Yeah, right? and, they, and you just I have a meeting, so I have a meeting, and you know, Reser- and uh, FX is amazing; they've been yeah, so yeah. good to work with, yeah. and f- uh, creatively like free. You yeah, know, like let's do everything, but we have a meeting, and um, with marketing, they're like, yeah, we're gonna thinking about doing the uh, premiere here at this. Uh, it's a really great video. It's a cemetery. And yeah. I was like, oh shit! I was like, look, man, <laughs> none of the Indians are gonna show up. <laughs> Ain't nobody showing up, including myself, to the cemetery. To have, and, there, and he was like, I was like, we're going to have to find some place. I was like, yeah, I'm, we're glad we asked you. I was like, man, they got Navajo filmmakers on this thing. They're not going to show up, man. They, they won't even stand across the street from this place, you know? Uh, oh, too man. much, man. Yeah. I hope everything goes good. I love the show. And Thank I really uh, I had I had a great time looking at your stuff. And I'm going to finish watching the other movies. Too, awesome, man. You, man. Thank good you, Martin. Thank yep. you. Sterling Harjo, great guy. Uh, Reservation Dogs, uh, which he co-created with Taika Waititi, has new episodes every Monday. All right. Here's a blues riff I came up with.
Boomer lives. Monkey. And the Fonda. Cat angels everywhere. <laughs>